And so, Lord, uh, we come to you this morning and we ask, uh, Lord, that you uh, would protect us this morning, that you would protect our hearts and our minds. Uh, Lord, we forbid the voice of the enemy or any other assignment to speak. We, we uh, ask, Lord, that you protect us from distraction this morning, that we could focus in on hearing what it is um, that you are saying to us as a church. We ask, Lord, that you would lead us into all truth as, as Holy Spirit, you direct us um, to the exact uh, places in our hearts and our minds in our souls that you desire to speak to us this morning. Lord, uh, would you show us what to do with, with what it is that, um, that we, we hear from you today. Lord, we just ask for fresh revelation, a fresh encounter with you. Lord, that, that we would hear you clearly. We would know you in a greater measure. That's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So I remember a number of years ago, um, hear, talking about hearing God's voice uh, sometimes is, is a subject that could be a little bit uncomfortable, and, and here's why. Um, I remember a number of years ago, uh, the first time I ever heard God's voice, and, and I'll, I'll say it that way. Um, I was in Erie, Pennsylvania, in a hotel room, and I'd just uh, gone through... Um, uh, a bit of a breakup, and I was uh, heart, heartbroken laying on the cold tile floor. It was like a 90s love song, right? Um, those angsty ones. Um, and knowing that uh, dealing with and, and, and dealing with the fact that, that I had a big part to play in this and, and, and going through all the emotion of that and crying out to God and just saying, God, I, I need to hear from you. I need to know um, what it is where I went wrong. I need to know how to uh, put this away and, and be able to walk with you and walk forward. Um, and I remember very clearly in a moment as I was praying, um, I had scroll across my mind. Uh, it just said 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. I just scrolled like, like one of those little kiosk things, right? The red ones. Um, and so I saw that scroll and and I remember going, I have no idea what that says. Because uh, at the time I was still a very, very new Christian. And so I grabbed my Bible and I opened it up. And there it said, for God did not create us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And God was speaking to me very clearly about walking and moving in a life of holiness. Um, not holiness that is anything that I've learned over the years, not a holiness that is based on anything I do, but, but on relying on and taking on Christ's holiness. And so I, I remember having that, that encounter, and I was really excited, but I was also really scared. And so I, I went to bed, and, and um, two of my friends were staying in the hotel room with me and, uh, because we'd gone out there for, for uh, a work thing. And so I woke up in the morning, and I started to share this experience with them. One of my friends got really excited. He's like, oh, you heard God's voice. That's so amazing. Um, because he had had similar experiences in his life. He had grown up um, in a church and had a background where that was something that was fairly normal. Uh, my other friend uh, questioned whether or not it was the pizza that we ate the night before or um, what, you know, maybe I just, I fell asleep on the floor and I had a dream and this is what I remember about my dream and kind of dismissed it a little bit. It's because when, when we talk about hearing God's voice, we usually take one of two 
postures. We either get really excited about it um, because we know that God is speaking and we want to hear him speak, um, or we've grown up and, and, and been raised in faith uh, apart from hearing God's voice to such an extent that we often dismiss it. And I'm sitting there asking these questions, saying, why had I never experienced this before? Um, and, and I think it's because my worldview has something to do with this. And so uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about worldview this morning before we get into the meat of the teaching, because I think this helps us set up um, and, and, stru- and wrestle through this tension uh, around hearing God's voice. Now, worldview is this set of presuppositions or assumptions that we make in life. Um, they're things that we hold on to either consciously or subconsciously, right, about the basic makeup of the world. This is how the world works. This is why the world works. This is what I believe about it. Um, in other words, every single person that is in this room right now, you have come in with a set of assumptions that serve as a starting point for your perception of reality. Right? And these are basically learned realities. Uh, these, uh, usually, they are dictated by whatever or whoever has had the greatest voice in our lives. That's who often shapes our worldview. Uh, That could be media, it could be parents, it could be politics, it could be the church you grew up in. But but they shape your basic understanding of reality and the world around you. So therefore, people from different worldviews can use the same reasoning process to arrive at a very different conclusion about a matter. That is why uh, two people can look at the same issue, both be going to growing up and, and learning and growing in faith their entire lives and come to a completely different conclusion, right? We never see that happen, right? But it, ha- it happens all the time. This is kind of that, like, for the Bible tells me so mentality. I believe this because Scripture has informed it, but that also is layered with um, the voice of my parents, the voice of my church, the voice of uh, my, often politics, the voice of media, the voice of uh, whoever else is informing. And, and I come to a conclusion about the way the world works. Now we're going to get a little bit of a history lesson, so get ready. Everybody get your nerd hat on. So I don't know what that looks like, but um, I'm just going to imagine you all have a big hat on that says nerd across it. Um, so, uh, but we're going to take a, do a little bit of a history uh, lesson here, and I'm very excited because my bachelor's degree in history is coming into play. Um, so, uh, we're going to start with a brief historical overview of the entire history of the world. You ready? Buckle up. This is so exciting. I love this so much. Okay. Um, we're going to start in what we call prehistory. This is everything that happened before about 2500 BCE, which we call before Common Era, right? This is before the year zero. So everything that happened like back in uh, ancient times, antiquity, uh, we would call it. So um, in this worldview, the world is entirely supernatural. Everything is supernatural. We're talking about the rise of folk religion, um, people that are, that are worshiping uh, both inanimate and animate objects um, or beings, right? Everything is spirit. God's speaking through everything. And then in about 2,500, um, we start to get uh, recordings of, of 
uh, people moving in walk with faith of, God, of a God who, who has revealed himself to be relational to people. And, and he speaks to people. And so the voice of God comes into the worldview of mankind. And so the entire summary of Scripture can be summed up as God speaking, right? From the point that he says, right? Scripture opens up. He says, let there be light. So he's speaking something into existence in the garden to his call of Abraham, which was very personal and something that God was speaking to Abraham. Um, and as the father to the judges, to David, to the kings, sometimes through prophets to David and the kings, um, to Isaiah and the other prophets, and you kind of get the picture. God is speaking all throughout Scripture. We see it. And I remember sitting on the floor going, why is it that I've read Scripture for a few years now, I've read all these stories and accounts of God speaking to people, then receiving something that he's saying, um, but I've never experienced that. Like, when did God stop speaking? Because in this ancient world, the, the um, practice of the early church was very focused on God's voice. His voice to a community through believers. You have in this early church the rise of what is called the priesthood of believers. Where God speaks to and through anyone. And so we have God speaking through everything to now God speaking through anyone who's among the priesthood of believers, which then takes us to the medieval world. And something really significant happens in human history in the medieval world. Christianity moves from this fringe, persecuted religion to the religion of the state. And when that happens it started to cease become, being salt and light in the world. And it becomes very institutionalized and attractional. It became the only legitimate place to hear God was in a building. And it ceased to be incarnational. It ceased to be God speaking to the people that you're in relationship with through one another. The incarnate Christ dwelling in and among us in our relationships to the incarnate Christ only being able to hear, be heard from in the church. And here, in the medieval world, we have the rise of priests, where God is now speaking only to or through a few people. So you see this movement. God's speaking through everything. To God is speaking through the priesthood of believers to or through anyone. God's now speaking only to or through a few, which leads us to this modern world. And the modern worldviews from 1500 to, to the year 2000 a bit. And it's a very short period of human history, but this is the worldview that the church primarily operates in today. Along with the invention of the printing press, um, when, when that comes, it completely changes the world because everybody can now have in their hands a book or a Bible, right? And so with, with the advent of, of the modern world, 
and, and with scientific method coming into the picture, uh, the, the church starts to shift its focus from hearing the voice of God to studying the word of God, to defending the faith by what we see in Scripture and the written word becomes held in the highest esteem. And this absolutely changes the church. Because God now, rather than speaking through the priesthood of believers, can only speak through a book. And the faith of a Christian becomes this natural, empirical approach that completely overtakes the supernatural beginnings of a church born in the ancient world. And where we live today is what we call the postmodern world. Now, we have 2000 there. We, we know postmodernity probably started uh, back in the earlier 20th century, capstone by Nietzsche's famous phrase, God is dead. But what has happened with the postmodern world is now, rather than this empirical approach to, um, to faith, to, to logic, to reason, um, and those things being what dictates Christianity, it is now anything goes. You can believe what you want. You can practice however you want. And the funny thing is about this is that, that this is actually the postmodern world is bringing us back to the supernatural. People who are informed by the postmodern worldview actually want supernatural things. They want to see real power because they've seen the power systems of the modern world fail and collapse. So there's got to be something beyond logic and reason. People are really hungry for something what we would call other. Uh, one French theologian says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so people today are caught between the modern world and the postmodern world. So two churches on the same street can be functioning in two completely different histories. This is the tension we feel in faith right now. It's a crazy time. We're living between histories. And modernity, while it lasted a short period, has had long-lasting influence on the church. But it is no longer the primary worldview that exists in the people around us. Again, people are really open to spiritual things, and rather than turn to the church, because the church has become so steeped in modernity, has become so steeped in logic and reason and only word. When I say word, I just mean book. That we've forgotten how to be supernatural. And so, ironically, people living in post-modernity are going back to the beginning to prehistory. They're going back 
to this idea that the world is supernatural. Let's practice folk religion. Let's, let's worship the earth. Let's worship animals. Let's worship um, people, ideas. God's speaking through everything. Have you ever heard this phrase? I think it's popped up a lot in the last 10 years, is people will credit things or pray to not Jesus, not even label God, but the what? The universe. People believe again that there's something bigger and greater than them. And there are forces at work that are beyond their control. And so, take your nerd hats off. There we go. Okay. Worldview. That is, that is the history of the world in seven and a half, eight minutes, something like that. Okay. Um, now, what does this mean? This means that our, our goal this morning is going to be to realign our worldview so that it is primarily shaped again by the voice of God. It's like shaped, right? Primarily. And we're going to answer this question, and I think this is the one we do need to wrestle with, is did God stop speaking, or did how we listen change? And I'd probably say it's the latter. Because I don't think God just suddenly stopped speaking. He didn't go off somewhere, and he's just hiding and waiting until we fulfill the Great Commission, and then he's going to come back with a trumpet blast or whatever the end of this all looks like. But I believe he's still desiring to speak to um, the church, and he's still speaking to the church, and, and we need to learn again how to listen. So how does God speak? This is the first place we start this morning. How does God speak? God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Scriptures, Roman 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness. Revelation says, He who has an ear, let him hear what, who? The Spirit speaks to the churches. 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing, he says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So the Holy Spirit activates in, in us our receptors so that we can actually hear the voice of God. And as we've been learning in the series, it's, it's intimacy and filling that set the atmosphere to hear. Okay? It's intimacy with God, that time spent with him, cultivating that, that space, and a filling of the Spirit of God that set the atmosphere to hear. Now, God speaks oftentimes, still, I will find God speaking through Scripture. All right? Um, you've, you've read, if you've ever opened the Bible and started reading it, and, and you're reading it with the intention of, of listening for what God has to say to you through it, what the Spirit of God is directing to you, you'll, you'll sometimes notice, I don't know if this has happened to you, like, like a verse or a phrase or something gets highlighted, Right? You have no idea why, but that, that word is the one that gets highlighted to you. And a lot of times, I can read the same passage of Scripture 
in 2019 and in 2020, I could read the same passage and something else will be illuminated from that same passage, right? Because he's still speaking. We call this the, the Logos word of God, right? But there's this rhema word, this now word, this word that he is speaking to the church that is active and for right now. And the primary purpose of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking to us is to reveal Christ to us. Jesus himself interpreted the scriptures to tell his disciples what the scriptures were saying about him and that they were bearing witness to him. So, the primary purpose of scripture and when we come to it and we read it, is to have Christ revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, New Testament. It's bearing witness to us. He's, he's telling us about himself. And third, we have to come to an understanding that Scripture is not the only vehicle that God uses to speak, okay? It's not the only vehicle God uses to speak to us. If we believe that, which worldview would we be operating in? The modern one. That worldview has actually passed us. That belief of how God speaks was informed by institutions and authors but I don't think it lines up with, with Scripture. It does not line up with the character of God. It does not line up with what we see as the practice of how God interacts with his people. 1 Corinthians says this, To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. The Spirit is manifesting. He is, he is revealing uh, for our common good. He's empowering us that we might hear the voice of God. So, how does God speak? Through the Spirit. How do, what vehicles does the Spirit commonly use when he's speaking to us? Well, there's, there are these. These are the primary ways that, that God speaks. He speaks through Scripture. He can speak through our circumstances, the things that we're going through, reveal something about who he is, create space for him to speak to us. There are spiritual gifts through what we would call the still, small voice of God. You heard Pastor Andrew reference that this morning. Um, and let me just say, the still, small voice of God isn't necessarily just like this whisper, like you're sitting in a field by yourself and you're just waiting for the whisper. Now, often that still small voice is, is an impression um, or like I, I had uh, experienced those words scrolling or a picture. But these are all things that are just happening internally in our spirit. It's very loud, actually, the still small voice of God when he speaks. Through angels, through visions and dreams, and through other people uh, in the dispensement of, of gifts of prophecy, of, of uh, discernment, 
of what we would call words of knowledge, right? Somebody, if you ever had someone praying over you and, and the Spirit prompts them to say something about your situation um, that they could not have known other than being revealed by the voice of God to them. It's a word of knowledge or word of wisdom and they just know exactly what to say to, to the situation and what's going on. And so these are primarily the ways that God speaks. So it's far greater than this, this modern worldview of just God revealing himself through scripture. He's speaking. This is how he spoke to his people from the moment he said, let there be light. Until we decided that he no longer speaks to us. So how do we hear God's voice? Well, we hear God's voice in our spirit. See, scripture teaches that we are uh, spirit, soul, and body, right? You are a complex human being. You, you have a spirit, the place where we, uh, that gets awakened, the moment of faith, when, when we who are, who are dead in our spirit, our spirits come to life in Christ. We are soul, it's the place where, where the emotions reside. And body, obviously, you've, you've got skin on, right? So when, when you are born again, and that is, those are the words used in Scripture, when you're born again, when you are spiritually reborn, your spirit is made alive, John 3. And when your spirit is made alive, you can hear God at the deepest level of the human experience in the spirit. Again, the spirit himself bears witness to our spirit. He's not bearing witness to our mind. He's not just bearing witness to our emotions. He bears witness spirit to spirit. There is a different interaction with God that we're intended to have. the one that's just cognitive or emotional. It's deep in the spirit. And what does he usually say? What does God normally say to us? Normally, the voice of God tells us that we are his children, we belong to him, and we are accepted, secure, and significant. There is no condemnation in that voice, is there? It is the voice of love. You're his, you belong to him, and in him you are accepted and secure and significant. Romans 8, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. So we are. And so God is desiring to speak to his church. Desiring as a loving father to, to have a conversation with his kids. 
with those he loves. Now, we talked about when we went through and prayed through the Lord's Prayer together and that prayer pattern, the whole thing starts in relationship. The whole thing starts in receiving the love of God and declaring our love back to him, right? So, that is, that is where his voice comes and, and speaks these things over us. So there's seven tests and ways that we can discern whether what we're hearing is God's voice. Because you might go like, okay, so I'm praying and I'm hearing all this stuff and I don't know how to sort all of this out. How do I know the voice that I'm hearing is God's voice? Well, this is a good way to discern that. Is it true to Scripture? If you're praying and, and, and you're trying to hear God's voice, you're praying for somebody else, and um, you're hearing something that seems to be contradictory to Scripture, just put that voice aside. Just say, that's not the voice of God. Likewise, if someone speaks something over you, go back and check and make sure that it lines up with the God who's revealed in Scripture that it sounds like his voice. We have a record of what his voice sounds like. I like to make sure that it lines up there. Um, we, we ask, is it true of his character? Of his great love and his mercy and his goodness and his kindness? Does it make me contrite? Does it humble me? Does it exalt Christ's name or mine? Does it confirm other sources like scripture or other times in prayer or circumstances you've had or, or other people speaking to you? Is there confirmation of what you're hearing God saying? Listen, um, operating and learning to hear the voice of God is best done in community. It is best done with other people. Left alone without confirmation from other people who are, who are listening with you, um, we can get really caught up in our heads, right? And we get really stuck. We go like, I, don't, I can't sift through this. And that's why we need one another to, to walk with each other as we learn to hear the voice of God together. It answers this question, does it induce faith or does it induce fear? The voice of God is always calling you to move from unbelief to belief. But it is not a thus saith the Lord kind of voice. It is not a voice that is given to manipulation or control. And so if you go other than a healthy, like, okay, God, I heard a big thing from you, and I'm, like, nervous and anxious, and you need to deal with the emotion, that's a whole other thing than, in my spirit, there's fear. That didn't feel right. It didn't sit right. And does it advance Christ's kingdom? Because God's voice always seek to advance the kingdom. Because, as we learned earlier, you, we are all 
uh, sheep who know and are learning to know the shepherd's voice throughout this entire series together. Here are the ways that we can differentiate between the shepherd's voice and the voice of a stranger. So I'm just giving you good stuff to take back with you this week as you practice this on your own, as you come back Wednesday and practice this in the prayer lab. These are all tools for you to take and to apply to your prayer life as you seek to hear his voice. But the shepherd's voice brings humility, while the stranger's voice brings pride. The shepherd's voice brings humility to us, while the stranger's voice brings pride. When I'm, I'm listening and I, I hear the voice of God and I just go, God, you're, you're so great and I, I yield to you. I'm yielding to you. I'm giving you my life. I'm surrendering to you. As opposed to, I'm amazing. Now that may be true and God may see, see you as amazing and he may tell you that you're amazing, but his telling you of amazingness ought to bring you to humility not walking out going, I can do all things through me who strengthens me. It reveals our need for him to be able to accomplish the advance of his kingdom. Shepherd's voice exalts Christ rather than exalting us. It gives us this picture of Jesus who is on the throne. His lordship, his ownership over all things. The, the stranger's voice would, would put us on the throne. To give us lordship and ownership over all things. If we could, in our hearts, we would sing, I exalt me, right? That was free. Uh, it's going to drop on iTunes sometime this week. Um, shepherd's voice is faith-inducing. Stranger's voice is fear-inducing. We covered that a little bit earlier. The shepherd's voice speaks of belonging. Stranger's voice brings rejection. We encounter the, the Father's voice, it ought to bring us into belonging. I belong to him. The stranger's voice would say, you are too messed up to be in God's presence. Clean yourself up first. The shepherd's voice says, come. I've, I've had a table already prepared for you. I've been waiting for you. Let's talk. Shepherd's voice brings about a sense of contentment. Stranger's voice leaves us confused. And so this morning as we've walked through um, the, the role that worldview plays in uh, shaping how we uh, hear the voice of God, and as we've walked through together knowing and learning how um, God speaks to us, how we hear his voice, 
um, and, and what his voice normally sounds like. As, as we've learned how to discern his voice, as we've learned the difference between the voice of a shepherd and the voice of a stranger, my question is the same that we started with. What changed? Did God stop speaking? Or did we stop? Or did how we listen to him change? And so I've given you tools this morning. That was my goal when we set out. That we would look and say, you know what? The, the way that I've been informed my entire life about how God speaks to me um, may actually be steeped more in a thought era than the actual practice of God and how he speaks. It's true. We just didn't even really know it. It's the thing, when you live in an era, you're living in that era. It just seems like this is the way the world operates and it's supposed to. But that's not true. It's time for the church, for us, to walk things back, to practice listening to the voice of God as the priesthood of believers, where God speaks to every one of us, makes his voice known to every one of us. That means everybody in this room but that also means everybody in that room over there. Our children are among the priesthood of believers. There is no elite class that hears God's voice better than any other. There is no institution through which God only speaks and holds the keys to revelation or to his voice. So I want to bless you this morning as we come to the table. Stand. Call the prayer team up and, and there'll be folks up here to pray with you this morning. Listen, if you haven't heard the voice of God and you're like, I want this. Like, this is what is missing in, in my, my practice of faith, is, is walking as a child who hears the voice of the Father and, and hears it clearly. Come, get, be, get prayed for it. Have, have others who, who have been practicing this for a while speak the words of the Father over you. And then commit to a life of intimacy And a life of filling of the Spirit that cultivates in you the atmosphere to hear. I bless you to take, take what you've learned today and apply it. It means there's a little, there's some invitation and some challenge in this this morning. 
I'm, I'm inviting you into a, a life and practice of walking with God that is so wholly other that you will be transformed and changed by it. Because there is no voice that can speak to your spirit. We have a lot of voices that speak to our bodies. We have a lot of voices that speak to our souls. There is no voice that has the ability to speak to your spirit other than the voice of 